This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad you made church priority today. I think it's a good choice already. You give God the first time of your week and watch what God will do the rest of your week for you. So bless all of you. If you're a visitor, we gladly receive you here today. We love the things of God. We love the things of God so much, we're going to give you an opportunity to get a Bible. Do you need a Bible? Raise your hand and our ushers will get you one. Then go with me to the book of John chapter 1. This is our fourth week in the series on identity, and I believe God's going to give you a little more identity today. I apologize. I know it's a little cold in here. We had an igniter that didn't ignite. That's in layman's terms right there, so we'll have it fixed next week. But bless the Lord. We're still going to get in the scriptures and watch the things of God happen. You know, every one of us at times in our life, we have to uh, feel like David did when he was looking at Goliath. And sometimes we think, man, I'm too small. I'm outnumbered. I'm outmatched. I'm in over my head. But one thing that David understood was who his God was. And he specifically said to Goliath, he said, how dare you come against the armies of the living God? And so David knew this, not only who his God was, but he also understood that the things of God are possible with God, no matter what it looks like in man's eyes. So we start today in John chapter 1, verse number 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the Word of God's an expression of God. It's what that is. And I, I want to highlight, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the, the importance of the Word of God. And the reason I highlight that it's the importance of the Word of God today, I, I've got to see what this book says I am. I've got to start defining my life about what the Bible tells me I can be, what I can do, and what I can have. And let that determine the course in my life. He goes on to say in verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. Now he said all things and nothing was made. So I exist and you exist because God. And all the things that I have on this earth, I have accumulated on this, is because of God. And I think too, too, too many times we, we shortchange Father God. We have this thought that it's because of my brilliance. It's because of my talents. I believe especially going into a Thanksgiving season, one of the greatest things we can do is say, I thank you, Father God. Not only that you created me who I am, I thank you, Father God, for all the blessings I have. I thank you today that I live in America. I thank you. And so it's, it's important that we give God thanks. And we give God due honor and recognition. He goes on to say in verse 4, In Him was life. In Him was life. Here's a great question for you. So without Him, is there not life? I believe so. And oftentimes we look, and, and when He talks about in Him was life, we may live, but we truly don't live the life that He came to give us without being born again. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. So to, to experience the life that he's talking about, 
I've got to do it in Christ Jesus. I've got to learn who I am in him. He said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Same chapter, verse number 10. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, the Jews, and his own, the Jews, did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the power, or the authority to become children of God. Now, how did he say right here that I become a child of God? I receive him. It didn't say that you earn him. It just said that you receive him. How do I receive him? Well, look at the last part there of of verse 11. He said that you receive him, that he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So the way that I receive Jesus is I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe that he's the son of God. And because of that, that qualifies me now as a son of God. He goes on to say in verse 12 or verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I'm born of God. So my circumstances don't determine who I am. And my behaviors don't determine who I am. My birthright determines who I am. And according to this, that when I give my heart to Jesus and you give your heart to Jesus, you're a child of God. Just like that. I'm a child of God. Now, my last name is Swan, S-W-A-N-N. How did I get that last name? I came into this world and I was born that way. Actually, I didn't do nothing to get that last name. When I came into this world, that was my father's last name, so I got his name. I didn't have to work to get that name. I didn't have to do anything. And regardless what I do in this life, whether good or bad, I'm always going to have that name. Now, there are times in my life that I've made some lousy, lousy, lousy choices, and my father would have probably liked for me not to have that last name. But guess what? Because of birthright, I have that last name no matter what I do. When I get born again, the same thing begins to happen. I become a child of God. I become a son of God. I become a daughter of God. Not because of anything I've done. And you know, even in this life when you go through it, a lot of times we get cuts, we get bumps, we get bruises, we get injuries. And we never forget those. Just say this, that, that you got stitches in your hand. Those stitches in your hand will be a continual reminder all through your life, something happened there. But you know as well as I do, after a period of time, that begins to heal. It's the same thing with the things of God. When we do things in this life, it puts scars on our hearts. But God will come in and he'll heal those hearts. He'll heal those wounds on your hearts. He'll make you who he desired you to be as long as I keep hanging out with him. Now, to understand who we really are as human beings, we've got to go back all the way to the beginning of the Bible to Genesis. We're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 2, then Genesis 3, and then we'll go back to Genesis 1 because I want you to see biblically what God says about you and me. And it's a great, great thought here to get these on the inside of you. 
This will begin to change your identity. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Now, when God put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it, he had to give him authority to do that. And God said, listen, here you go, Adam, it's yours. You tend it and you keep it. Verse number 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Of every tree. But when you look at verse 17, he says, but. But. Now, that word but could be highlighted because the but literally illustrates that God made each one of us in this room a free will being. In other words, he gives us the ability to choose. God gives us the ability to choose. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says that God desires that all men be saved. But will all men be saved? No, they won't. You know why? Because there'll be a lot of people that don't choose to go that way. And so even in this sense right here, God begins the creation with mankind and he said, you can eat of all this, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, when God said you will surely die, he was talking spiritually, he was talking morally, he was talking emotionally, socially, and ultimately physically. And so right here in in this verse, God gives mankind one restriction. One restriction. And he said, don't eat of that. Now, that restriction, a lot of times people would look at it as a rule. And how many of you have ever heard this? Man, I hate Christianity because all it is is a bunch of rules. But when you look at that, it depends on the way you look at it. See, a lot of times as as human beings, we're misinformed about who God really is. In that one restriction, it wasn't about a rule. It was about God's protection and God's love. And you know what God says? I'm going to give you some perimeters to live within. If you stay within those perimeters, there's protection. God wants to protect every one of us. But you know what he said to Adam? He said, I give you the ability to choose, but understand this, whatever you choose, there's going to be consequences. So today, when you see the rules of God, do you look at them that way as rules or do you look at them as protection? Let me make a little extra sense to you with this. As a parent, if you've ever had a child and say they get to five, six, seven, and they start learning to ride a bicycle, how many of you make a rule and you tell your children, do not ride that bike out in the street? Do you do that as mommy and daddy just to give them a rule, just to give them a commandment? Or do you give them that restriction because you love them and you want to protect them? See, think about that in that sense with Father God. This is exactly what he told Adam and Eve. He said, I love you so much that I want to protect you. And for that protection to occur, you've got to live within these perimeters. It's the same with your child. 
How many of you, if your child was riding your bike in the street, would you get after them? And I hope every one of you. You'd say, I don't want you doing that. I don't want you getting hurt. I don't want you protect. You know, a couple years ago, my granddaughter was a little pity. And I was doing the dishes. And I looked out of, of the little area where I do the dishes. And she's got a screwdriver. And she's within about this much of sticking that screwdriver in the electrical outlet to plug in. And you know what I said? Don't do that. I yelled at her. She freaked out and dropped it. She thought Grandpa was mad at her. Grandpa wasn't mad. Grandpa wanted to protect her. That was the love of God. That was the love of Grandpa. Now, you know what? If she was doing it, I could have looked at her and said, Taylor, don't do that. And one of the reasons her grandpa told her don't do that, as a little boy, this guy took a pair of tweezers and I stuck it in there. And I promise you, this guy's never forgot from that day. It blew me off the calendar, off the cabinet. There was black marks all over the wall of my hand and my dad came in and looked at me and just kind of shook his head like, that boy learned the hard way. <laughs> See, that's the same with Father God. He loves us that much. And so don't view his, his restrictions as rules and God's a mad God. No. God loves us so much that he wants to protect us. Turn to chapter 3. So what happens here is the devil comes on the scene. Here's an interesting thought for you. Adam had lived on the, uh, the, the, the garden for a long, long time. I don't know how long in years, but it was long enough that he named every animal, every species, every fish, every bird. I mean, it took him a while. And the whole time he was doing that, the devil never messed with him one time. But Eve, the woman, comes on the scene, and immediately he gets involved. Now, I'm not saying that ugly toward women, okay? I'm saying that in sense of the marriage covenant. It shows me right there that he didn't like it. So what he begins to do, he begins to distort the truth. He begins to try to twist the word of God. And, and to paraphrase this, he says there, he said, you won't die. Are you kidding me? The only reason God said that is he knows you'll become as wise as him. Now, that's a stupid thought. Because as the creation, I'll never be as smart or as wise as the creator. It's important that we get where we know that. God's all-knowing, okay? So we start in Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now both of them did that out of their free will. They both chose to do that. If you note there while you're reading that, it says nowhere in there that the devil took a gun to their head and said, you two were going to eat. No, they chose to do that. So the very minute they chose to break that command and do what God warned them to do, a lot of people look at that and say, but they didn't die. Yeah, they did. And the way they died is they became disconnected from God. They became disconnected 
from their source and their origin. And when that begins to happen, things begin to change just like in their life. See, oftentimes as human beings, we look at sin as a set of behaviors. Sin is really the definition of it is to be disconnected from God. So anytime I get over in sin, it breaks my relationship with Father God. It causes me to begin to look at God in a different way. And this just wasn't a bad day for Adam and Eve. This was a bad day for humanity, for every one of us. Because their choice. It was their choice. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open. What does that mean? Hadn't their eyes always been open? Yeah. But he was talking more in sense of a spiritual eye. That they begin to see things differently than they ever had. So the eyes of them were, were, were open. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, there's one word in verse 7 that was mentioned three times. Let's read it again and I'll highlight it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they, the word is they, they, Adam and Eve, knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves covering. The reason this was so big, it was no longer about a relationship with God. It was now about this man and wife, that they're disconnected to God. So anytime a human being gets disconnected to God, you know what we become? Self-reliant. We become where we live by our own solutions, our own thoughts, our own ways. And you see that in America right now. We got people that say, you know what, I'll live however I want. Well, you can. But something happens when we begin to get outside the perimeters that God gave us. And so right here in this passage here, the core problem was not necessarily sin, but the core problem was they became disconnected to God. Well, the only way that I can come back and get, become connected to God is I repent of my sin. And I say, Father God, I blew it. I blew it big time. So we keep reading right here. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, this was the first time in humanity that they hid themselves from God. It shows me right there that when we disconnect from God, we hide from God. Now, one of the problems from disconnecting from God is people, we can't fix ourselves. Oftentimes we think we can. How many of you ever thought you can fix yourself? I used to always think I could fix myself. I couldn't fix myself. And so literally what we become, we become like a self-cleaning oven that's not plugged in. And when there's no plug-in to the power of the source, I can't fix myself. The only way that I'm going to get fixed is through Jesus. And so we go to verse 9 here. Then the Lord God called Adam and he said to him, where are you? Do you not think God didn't know where he was? God knew where he was. But you know what I believe God was doing here? I believe God was giving Adam the opportunity to repent and say, Lord, I messed up. But he doesn't. Verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. The first time that humanity had experienced fear. Why? 
Because they disconnected from God. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And so the result of being disconnected, it changed their identity. It changed their identity so much that they hid themselves. Why would they hide themselves? Because they were ashamed of what they've done. I believe this is safe to say. Every one of us in this room are ashamed of certain things we've done. But I can't allow those things I've done, my shame, to keep me from coming back from God. And that's one of the tricks of the devil. He'll begin to tell you, you're bad. You're bad. No one's as bad as you. No one is 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 uh, uh, ugly as you. And as long as I believe that, then it keeps me in trouble. It keeps me hidden. And that is his goal. You know, it said they were both naked. Nakedness wasn't the problem. They had always been naked. So what was the problem? They became disconnected from God. And when I become disconnected from God, it changes the way I see myself. How should we see ourselves? We'll turn back to Genesis 1. And I want you to see this, okay? Where you begin to see how God says we are and how God wanted us to be. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Let me give you a little secret today. Every one of us in this room, we're created in God's image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. I am a spiritual being created by God. And so I got to understand this. What is true about him is true about me because I'm created in his image. The problem is, is we become disconnected from God because of our choices and because of life's experiences. And when that begins to happen, we look and we say, oh, man, God must have messed up when he created me. No, he didn't. Keep reading. Then God blessed them. God, it didn't say he cursed them. He blessed them. He created me and he blessed me. And look what he said. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, when I read verses 27 and 28, this was before Adam and Eve disconnected from God. But when they disconnected after that, They hid themselves, and they were full of shame. So you begin to see there's a huge difference here. So when you look at all this, Adam isn't God, but Adam was sure created by God. Now, if you caught Adam before he sinned, and you said, Adam, how are you created? He'd say, I was created in the image of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a man of God. I'm a son of God. But if you were to ask Adam after he sinned, he probably would have described himself a little different. I'm a man who's sinned. I'm a man who's hid myself. I'm a man who's beat up. And so you begin to see this crazy cycle that goes on with humanity. And we start looking at all our failures. And we start looking at all the bad we are and all the wrong we've done. Is there any hope for us? Yeah, there's hope. Go to the book of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. And I want you to see this morning, first of all, 
how we connect to God or how you can reconnect to God. And God wants each one of us to stay connected to him. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Moses, surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now get that, okay? John 3, 3. Unless one is born again or born from above, I cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, in Jesus' way, or Jesus' words, this is the only way you'll see the kingdom of God. So he goes into detail here. Verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus responds, Moses, surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what does that mean, unless one is born of water? The only way you can enter this place called earth legally is you've got to be born of a mother. Every one of us in this room are born of a mother. So you're here legally. But he uses the word and right there. And he said, and of the spirit. So the only way that I can get born again is I don't go back into my mother's womb the second time. I give Jesus my heart. I ask him to come in and be Lord of my life. And that's the way I get born again. Now he doesn't quit there. Watch what happens. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. How many of you have seen a newborn baby in the last year? It's real. It's real. I mean, every time I see a newborn baby and I look and I think, how can anybody deny that there's not a God? Just look at the newborn. Uh, Amanda Haven's right here with a little newborn. The reason I highlight that, it's real. I see this little girl right here. But next he says, but he who is born of the Spirit is of the Spirit. And so what Jesus is telling me, and you just as real as it is to see this little newborn here, so is the new birth of getting born again. It's just as real. And some people say, no. Jesus clarifies, verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, let me give you my paraphrased edition. I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. Now, we live in West Texas. How many of you have ever seen the wind? I've never seen it. But I've seen a lot of you guys' hair look awfully bad a lot of days. So I realize the wind is there. Just because I can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. It's there. And that's what he's talking about, about salvation. Just because you may not be able to see it with your physical eyes doesn't mean it's not real. Actually, every one of us in this room today, we did a couple things without even seeing it. How many of you this morning at your house turned on some lights? 
Every one of us. How many of you saw the electricity that turned that light on? I didn't. All through my house, there's electricity going through the walls. And guess what? I've never seen it. The only electricity that I've ever seen is a lightning strike. But I've never seen electricity. But you know what? I believe in electricity. It's like I talked earlier. You stick a pair of tweezers in there, you'll realize it's real. Every one of us turned a faucet on this morning. Whether to get a drink, whether to shower. How many of you saw the water? How many of you even know where the water came from? None of us. But you know what? All over my house is pipes going through the walls, in the ground, coming down the alley and coming into my house. But you know what? I believe that when I turn that tap on, here it's going to come. I don't even give thought to it. But he's telling me and you, it's the same with the Spirit of God. He's real. He's real and this is real. And Jesus said, unless one is born again. Now look at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He loved us so much. And I want to highlight that again because one of the reasons, one of the ways God loves us is he protects us. And so he said, I love the world so much. When he said the world, he wasn't talking to this physical thing called ground, soil, dirt. He was talking about people. And he said, I love people so much that I gave my only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So right there, guess what he does? He tells me and you. You can get born again. You can give your heart back to the Lord. You can get reconnected to him if you've never been connected. Now, go to the book of Colossians right there to your right. You'll go past, oh, Philippians and then right into Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, this is what we'll end with, maybe, if you guys are really good. For this reason, we also, since the day, I'm reading Colossians 1 verse 9. Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, he doesn't want us to be filled with all knowledge and wisdom and understanding so we can tell everybody about how much of the Bible we know. Ooh, I'm really religious. It's amazing to me when people get born again, you know what a lot of folk will say? Ooh, they got religion. I didn't get religion. I got Jesus. I got a relationship. Now, what happened with Adam and Eve after they disconnected? They never did again live by relationship with God. They lived by a bunch of rules. And when I live by a bunch of rules, I try to achieve them. And it just gets me in trouble. So I'd just rather live through Jesus and say, all right, Lord Jesus, help me. Come on the inside of me and begin to change me. Verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Now this is a very, very interesting verse. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him. Maybe we ought to highlight the word fully. Remember the things of God aren't multiple choice. Being fruitful. Being fruitful in what? Every good work. And so right there he gives me a handful of stuff that God's designed for me and you. And understand this, and don't take me wrong when I say this. 
But when I give my heart to Jesus and I get born again, that's not the final work. That's the beginning work. That's the starting point. Too many times when people get born again, they think that's it. But if it was it, why did he say that you need to get knowledge? You need to understand the will of God. You need to become wise. You need to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him and being fruitful. Because you know what? God wants us to be the salt of the earth. God wants us at your workplace, at your school, for people to look at you and say, what's up with you? And you look and say, Jesus. It's Jesus. The only explanation of my life is Jesus. Oh, Anthony Gomez, was he was awarded... The, the workman of the year at his workplace. It blessed me when I saw that. And I'll tell you, if you ask Anthony, he'd say, it's Jesus. He'd say, Pastor, I'm as smart as you. It's Jesus. I don't mean that ugly. <laughs> Fully pleasing him. Being fruitful in every area. So what do you do as your occupation for Jesus? Where you can go and people look at you and say, you're the best duty shopper, whatever that is. And you look and say, it's only Jesus. You're the best photographer, it's only Jesus. You got the greatest marriage in the world, you say, it's only Jesus. See, that's what he wants us to do. Well, we have fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience, long-suffering, with joy. Now, let me ask you something. Since you got born again, have you needed some strength every day? Since you got born again, have you needed some patience? Just a little, Lord. Since you got born again, do you need some endurance? Do you need some joy? Yeah. So watch what happens here in verse 11. Giving thanks to the Father who has fully qualified us. Who has qualified us. Qualified us for what? To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. How did he qualify us? Jesus did. Now understand this. You have a spiritual inheritance. So do I. The sad thing is most Christians don't know they have an inheritance. Now, if you had an inheritance here on the earth, and let's just say that Uncle Buck left you $25,000, but you didn't know Uncle Buck left you $25,000. Even though that inheritance is in your name, you could never use that inheritance because you don't even know what you got. See, that's the same thing with Christians. So I want you to see what your inheritance is. Verse 13 he has delivered you, us, from the power of darkness. Whatever the darkness is in your life, quit allowing that to be your identity. And say, uh-uh, he delivered me. Right here is Bible. He has delivered me from the power of darkness. I like to say it this way. Anytime you can find where it's written, you can always tell the devil it's finished. What's the darkness in your area of your life today? Begin to believe Jesus and say, all right, Lord, I'm born again. I'm connected to you because of Jesus. And if since I'm connected to you, you've delivered me from the power of alcohol. 
You've delivered me from that filthy tongue of mine. You've delivered me from those bad habits. You've delivered me. And he said, he's conveyed or he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He loved us so much that he sent his son who delivered us. And he set us free. Now, what happened when me and you give our heart to Jesus? And we begin to walk in the kingdom of the light like he's talking there. You change citizenship. You're no longer a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. You're now a citizen of the kingdom of light. That's the first thing you got to understand. That Jesus took me out of the realm of darkness into the realm of light. And I got to tell you another thing. When you change citizenship... You stepped into a war zone. First Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil has taken notice of you. He will viciously oppose you. Now, I don't tell you that to put fear in you. I tell you that to tell you this. You don't have to be afraid. You're on the winning team. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. In Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, he said that Jesus' name is the name above every name. So I have a right to use that name. But guess what? If you sit back and allow the devil, he'll, he'll come after you and he'll come after you. And John 10, 10 says, The thief, the thief, the devil comes about to kill, steal, and destroy. But when I live by the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb... Everything changes. How do you know that? Look at verse 14 right here. And this will help some of us connect, some of us to reconnect. Some of you have had spiritual amnesia. You forgot who you are. Watch this. In whom, talking about Jesus, we have redemption. You have been repurchased. I've been repurchased. I was bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with the blood of Jesus came a warranty that only Jesus could make. That warranty wasn't 90 days, same as cash, okay? That warranty is for eternity. And he goes on to say, through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. What does all that mean? My identity is now in Jesus because of his blood. I'm no longer a slave to sin. He set me free. You know, in Romans 8, chapter, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so what happens is the way I get born again, I ask Jesus to come into my heart, and I say, Lord Jesus, wash me. Wash me of all my sin. And by faith, I believe he's done that. And then guess what I do to stay connected to Jesus? I just stay under the blood. And what that means is day by day, if I blow it, I say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you to wash me and I cleanse me. And then I just keep living by the blood. And I keep living by the blood. And I keep reminding the devil that I've been delivered from the power of darkness. Now, I will tell you this today. 
You're not looking at a man that hadn't been delivered from things. I've been delivered. I mean, I got a list of things I've been delivered for. And I say, ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First of all today, there's some of you need to connect. How do I connect? John 3, 3, you must be born again. Number two, some of you need to reconnect. You've strayed away. And you know what God's saying? Come on back home. I, I, I loved you so much, I gave my son. You repent of your sin and you come back home. But some of you, guess what? You've got an inheritance. You've been delivered. And you need to start living that way. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. I've been delivered from the power of alcohol. I've been delivered from sexual immorality. I've been delivered from the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh, the pride of life. That's 1 John 2, 15. Every one of that's in there. And so Jesus has done something. So if I got an inheritance, let's start spending it. Let's don't go to heaven and say, wow, I just barely made it. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it'll be. It will be, but I'm not there yet. So I'm going to spend my inheritance while I'm here. I'll start using the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.